Welcome to Women Read Scripture. My name is Annette Tilleman Dick. And I'm Christine Thackeray. And I'm Shima Broderon Boffman. Shima, we're so thrilled that you're with us today, and we'd love to learn a little more about you and share that with our listeners. Sure, yeah. Um, very brief uh, story. I came from Iran when I was seven, and we quickly joined the church, which is why we ended up staying in America. And, um, you know, I grew up in upstate New York, went to BYU, BYU Law School. Uh, I clerked and um, worked from uh, in the corporate law firm for a few years. Uh, went back. I did a Fulbright in Malawi doing some work in Africa. Then I went uh, to teach at BYU Law for a few years. Um, the last 10 years I've been teaching at the U, the University of Utah Law School, and I'm now back at BYU running, uh, helping run the Wheatley Institute. It's like a religion think tank that has uh, been newly expanded at BYU and kind of continuing to teach criminal law, which has been my expertise. Wow. So, but a yeah. broad, I love that you are immersed in religion yes. and in criminal law. Yes, what a one. And what, what a disparity. <laughs> and and Shima beautiful. is expecting her different. fifth baby, right. which is very, very exciting lady. to all of us. I'm so excited. Um, sh- Shima, I I had a question which now I lost. So my my grandfather, my my one my grandmother remarried after the Holocaust. So I had a, we called him Popchi. Used to say when you forgot something, you'd say say something similar. And, <laughs> and um, you were a Fulbright in Malawi. That's very interesting to me yes. because we had a number of Fulbright scholars in our family. What did you? Yes, I what studied did you focus on detention, and that ended up being my my expertise is bail and pre-child detention, kind wow. of that period when you're charged with a crime but not found guilty. And so I actually wrote a book about bail. It was the first book since 1970 with Cambridge. I um, published that in 2018, I think it was. It's called The Bail Book. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. so yeah, that's what, that was the result of my Fulbright. I'm really I glad I asked that question, but yeah. it's not the one I wanted, which was this. And <laughs> oh. that is, please tell us a little tiny bit about what you're doing with the Wheatley Institute. Oh, yes. Because it's very, very relevant that's to right. what we're doing. Yeah, so... Um, the church has decided to work with BYU to expand what has already been a kind of standalone uh, private institute called the Wheatley Institute. It's been there for a while, yeah. but they're trying to expand it. And so that one of the great expertises of BYU becomes um, re- research on religion and how it benefits society. And so oh, you remember President Oaks recently spoke at conference about how important it is that. for people to go to church and that just this, it's a good for society, not just for individuals. And so we're going to kind of do research on that area and I'll be supervising the faculty doing research on that and then doing public education just because uh, religion is, you know, struggling kind of in a, in a broader American um in society right now, people are younger. People are maybe not seeing the vision as as we were, and so we're hoping to kind of invigorate people and think about more, you know, why it's good to be part of faith and spirituality and religion, and this could benefit you. And I think it does. I mean, it's, the research is clear. It's just it's I just really giving that out there to so people understand. So, the research is yeah. clear, but what yeah. is never clear because we're still living in this dynamic yeah. situ- society is that this very problem. Shima mentioned to me as we were speaking that thir- only 30% of youth within our church, within other evangelical faiths, in many different areas of faith, are remaining faithful yeah. adherents at this point. Yeah, according especially to the in the 18 statistics. to 24 range, people are and, just dropping off from faith. Yeah. And, and what I find valuable in that is that creates a bit of a crisis yeah. for faiths, and yet the response is... For us to come together, 
for believers to come together and see what unites us. Mm -hmm. What are the things that make faith itself such a positive force in our lives? And and I think that's something that you'll be exploring yeah. in great depth. I yes, love that. I'm very excited. This I'm idea of glad that you've, unity. I, I figured you would agree, but yeah. <laughs> I have people that are Very. On I, like, I love it. Yes. Well, um, so true. I am I wanted to I'm sure that our listeners have noticed that our fearless and fantastic leader, mm -hmm. our radiant leader, Mariana Richardson is not with us today. And we really miss always her presence, her perspective and her diligence in pre in preparation. Um that which because Mariana really every week guides us in these presentations. Um she is not here because Mariana, another hat that she wears is as the secretary for the Interfaith Forum of the G20. And the G20 is a group of 20, the 20 most powerful economies in the world. Most of them are countries, but the European Union goes in as one unit, so that makes it a very powerful economy as well. And they get together to confront, uh, to, well, to try to work together very different countries, everybody from China to U.S. to Russia to Turkey to the EU, to work on the problems that the world faces, whether these are sexual trafficking, whether they are environmental challenges, whether they are, um, oh, so many different things, health, the health of the, of, the na of the world, and, of course, the great economic disparity, which underlies a lot of the conflict that we face. Mariana was telling me how challenging it is with these very different views to come to consensus, even on sometimes very simple things, for example, where they will meet. Mm. And um, this year they are meeting in India. As she explained this to me and as we studied, I felt it was really an excellent segue into studying the Corinthians. We are Today we will be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 through chapter 13. And we are looking at a group of people who are very diverse. Corinth is an isthmus with wonderful ports that go to the east and to the west. So it attracted a lot of commerce and a lot of people and a lot of different groups. And interestingly, Paul was successful in convincing many different kinds of people to become members of this first Church of Jesus Christ. But they didn't always agree. And that is where we find ourselves at the in eight in Corinthians 8. Paul, the letter that we're talking about, he wrote from Ephesus. He was not there as he wrote it, but he um had heard from more than one source that there was a lot of conflict in Corinth. And he wanted to respond to that. Um one of the first issues that he is talking to seems a little vague to us. It's about meat and what kinds of meat you can eat. And should they eat meat offered to idols or should they not eat meat offered to idols? And, um, and how they gather together to do this. It really is interesting when you get more deeply into it. First of all, in this society in Corinth, um, most foods, including meat, when they were slaughtered in the general market, were offered to an idol because that was the that was the custom and it was sort of why not kill two birds with one stone you you know give it to an idol and you get a little good luck and then you sell it um, in the market but um, there were many of course who came from the 
tradition of Israel, the Jewish tradition, where there were very strict controls over what you ate and what you didn't eat. And even today, kosher meat is careful. When it's slaughtered, it is always slaughtered with prayer and dedicated to God. Um, now, many of the, but they lived in this society. These were the markets. These were the people. If you went to a birthday party, if you went to a business celebration, if you went to a family, a community celebration, they would be eating these foods. And the question was, can we eat these foods? Um, Paul said, yes, we can. We can eat these foods because God is, it doesn't make us better or worse what food we eat or what food we don't. But he was worried that for some amongst them, it would hurt their faith if they saw these faithful members of the church eating food that had been offered to idols. And um, I had a question that I, I wanted to ask at the outset, which was he, um, many of them, well, let me just first say that he would say, um, they would say, we know that God doesn't care about this, so we don't need to do it. And what Paul asked them to do was to stretch and to understand that even if they knew that it wasn't important to God, that they think what was important to the people around them and that they not eat if it would hurt the faith of others and that they might that they be more sensitive to the impact they have on the community. And were you going to read 1 Corinthians 8:13 where he says those words Can you words read it back for us? He says wherefore if meat make my brother to offend I will eat no meat while the world standeth lest I make my brother to offend. Mm. Paul tells us a lot in these chapters about how much he doesn't do and doesn't ask of others because he doesn't want to offend. And why does he not want to offend? Not because he's so polite, but because he doesn't want to be a block in the way of them being able to hear and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ for the liberation that that will bring to them. You know, and, yes. and this meat issue is one of those many issues. He says also, and I wanted, there. he talks... Um, a lot about those who think that they know well enough, mm -hmm. they know enough that they don't need to worry about mm -hmm. that law, that they are close enough to God that it doesn't matter. And he warns them about becoming puffed up in those ways. He, that, um, he's, and what he says something that I'd like to ask what you think about. He says, if any man know God, the same is known of him. Mm. What do you think he meant by that? Shima. I, I had written, if, uh, but if man love God, the same is known of him. Is that oh. the same or am I in the wrong spot? Well, I think, well, I think no they're both and love is I the same. I guess both know I and think. love. I know to know and love. Um, I mean, to me, I when he when he was saying that, you know, if a man love God, the same is known of him. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I just felt like he was starting with this sense of humility of, you know, like the important thing is you love God. And he also right before that says the knowledge, like you said, knowledge makes us prideful, you know, charity edifies. Um, none of us know what we ought to know. And so kind of like just love God and 
then you, you know, will know what to do and kind of like have the spirit. I, I mean, that's kind of what it meant to me. I don't know how you saw it. And I, I want to hear what you th- um, yeah. were thinking. I love that because yeah. I was thinking very similar that if yeah. you love God, then God knows what your intent. motivations yes. and intent is. That's right. And so often with the eating yeah. meat, right. what is the intent? That's is it right. because you're hungry yeah. or is it because, right. you know, you don't care? You're kind of yeah. letting down your lines or you're not being aware of other people. And the impact. So, yeah, the Lord will inspire you also, yeah. whether it's it's an appropriate thing or inappropriate yeah. based on other people. I think when you love him and let him in your life. And was... I felt that, you know, he was saying, if, yeah. if anyone know man, God, God knows you, that you may say, I know that God thinks this is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God knows you yes. really well. And he knows <laughs> whether or forgetting. not, whether yeah. or not you're thinking about how what you're doing is impacting those around yeah. right? how it's hurting their faith maybe how it's maybe just making them right. wonder i you know that suddenly i just saw well, it is funny because when you get really clever people they're so good at rationalizing oh so they can like yes. make the perfect argument absolutely but if the lord really knows your intent that argument doesn't hold water right. so. we, i mean we don't need so to cute. we it's not for us to judge but the, the lord, lord is going to judge yeah. and paul does boldly take upon himself the responsibility of unpacking this for these saints. You know, he's had these letters from Chloe and her family saying, we have a lot of problems here. They're doing all these things and they're really causing... The other thing about eating meat with idols, because, you know, they Paul did believe that there were demons and these things were in some ways offered to demons and that as when we took the sacrament, we join ourselves with Christ. Mm-hmm. When you're eating these things, are you in some metaphoric, symbolic way joining yourself with right. demons? Or you may not think so. And he said, and in fact, you know, I, you're right. Fine. It's just food. <laughs> yeah. But if others are feeling that, you should just stop. forego. Yeah. So nice. Um, Christine, the what Paul is asking us to do is stretch. I love and that. And that's what I'm going to yes. ask you to talk to and us. And lengthen the, our stride. That's Look beyond right. where we are. Lengthen and actually that stride. has everything to do with 1 Corinthians 9.24. Hmm. And in um, 9.24, it's the very first time that Paul uses the analogy of a race. Mm-hmm. And so in this verse, he says that... Um, Know ye not that they which run in a race all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And it was interesting because I was talking to my family about this and they all had different takeaways. <laughs> but I'll tell you my takeaway was that as we run in a race, it's so easy to pace yourself with right. the people beside you. Oh. But if you're running to obtain, you break free of the pack and you just think about you winning and it's not that we're not being thoughtful but we don't get stuck you know like like holding ourselves back because we're thinking about us and the finish line us and the lord and that is our focus as we run and i loved that because remember the four minute mile how it was like the six minute mile and then the Uh, five and a half (laughs) and it went down and down and it was because people kind of ran in packs and they thought they could only go this fast right and that idea of running and we've we've increased our ability as people let go of what is typical or what is normal oh that's that's such that's so true that we are you know it's a, it's pushing right. our boundaries. And so I, I do that run that so you may obtain. But in doing so, 
other people may not be happy with you getting ahead of them. Right. And they may feel, I, I think sometimes you kind of feel that negative emotion. So yeah. my question was, have you ever had that experience where you're, you think you're doing just what you should be doing and other people kind of oh. sideways glance at oh what you're gosh, doing? Oh my gosh, that's yeah. been my whole life. That's been my whole life. You know, I started teaching my kids at home before it was a thing. You know, it was, I mean, in the very, very early 80s. And my wonderful friends, they're like, why on earth would you do that when we have these schools to do it, you know? And they really, they were sweet because they, they loved me and they were just like, it takes all your time. You have, yeah. you're, and you're stressed out, you know, sometimes yeah, right. from it, even though I got less stressed out over time. But, but it was, it, it really, in, it required me to go to the Lord and say, is this what you want me to do so that I could feel convinced and I, I had experiences where, you know, um, people I loved and admired very much came down very hard mm-hmm. on me for that particular thing. But I think in, and then on the co- other side, you know, we, I went to a very secular university and what did I do there? Join the church. Yeah. You know? so. But that's where it's run that you may obtain and each one of us yes. kind of may run a different way, may do it a different way. And so that's right. Yeah. And, and did you have an experience you wanted to share? I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, I guess for me, you know, and, and maybe you'll get to this later, but when I was thinking about the race, it's like the gospel is one of those races where we all can win. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's like where... you can look at someone else and they might be looking at you, but it's like it doesn't really matter because we can all win and maybe Absolutely. we're all at different places. But that's what kind of came to my mind. Right. It's like, and I think it's, it's a more race. Of an obstacle course. Right. <laughs> so, right. It's like, it's like and, oh, and ours is different. And yours might and have, less, you know, right. three layers of, of jumps, and mine might have, you know, like things I have to throw. And right. there's just different things that will. And so it's like, you might, I might look at yours, but it's not the same race as mine. So it's, I don't really get much I out think of that. That's exactly so true. important to understand yeah. our races are different. Yes. And are so different. we can't be judging someone else's, judge race, else's race. But what we do want to do is throw ourselves into, yes. into our own and, race. And, you know. and recognize what that is supposed to right. be. And, yes. and let what other people think as you do what you believe your race is. Let that go. Not let it change you or weigh you down. Yeah. I did have this great quote from President Nelson gave a talk, a devotional to the youth. Um, it's called, You Were Born to Stand Out. And I love this. And he talked about how being a disciple of Christ um, may sound different. You may act different. You may dress different in the world. And he says, and if sometimes people call you weird, mm. wear it as a badge of honor <laughs> yeah. and be happy that's, your life that's is very bright tall. and ever yeah, dark th- 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 We should be proud of the weaknesses, know. you know? Go, so go I do think sometimes yeah. um, people call us weird. Well, I wanted to just quickly go Say, through sorry. the other three or four times that Paul uses the oh, same good. analogy because yeah. awesome. they kind of all go together. So in Galatians, he says, um, you did run well. But who did hinder you that you obeyed not the truth? Mm. And so what was holding you back from running the race? Mm -hmm. And we talked about how sometimes other people are holding us back. But can you think of other things that weigh us down or hold us back from running the race the way we should? Yeah, I mean, definitely, I think our bodies, right? Is He talks about how much we train our bodies. And we'll talk about temptation as we move on. But I think that's a big one in this life, right? Where Satan's using our bodies against us, even though they're the gift that we have from God that 
can help us. But I think that is one big one. We I all, do. And, and there's uh, things that we physically can't do. Right. So I spent a year paralyzed. I had Guillain Barre oh. and I had seven young children. The wow. oldest was 14 and the youngest was two or three. Oh. And um, and it was tough because you felt like there was so much you wanted to do. My yeah. heart was in the right place, but I couldn't physically do anything. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you, um, you know, Christine, what I was going to say is one of the things, though, that holds us back. There are two things. One, I was thinking, is self-confidence. Right. But it shouldn't Love be self-confidence. That. It should be confidence. We are weak. We are incapable. Absolutely. We right. can't do it on yes. our own. Our self-confidence is should only be in recognizing, yes, I'm a basket case. <laughs> yes. I need help. You know, yeah, is what I, I recognize. I, I, I want to do yeah. all this stuff. and not, Or maybe I, it's not yeah. that I want to, but I've got to do all this stuff. It has been put upon yeah. me. And I don't know how I'm going to do it. But to have the confidence that the Lord will see us through. He right. wants Absolutely. us to win our race. Absolutely. There, this isn't, we aren't racing against one another. Right. We are racing to stretch ourselves yep. and to Absolutely. have that profound a profound recognition to realize where he's come and helped us that's and to know he's going, yeah. he will be there. The that's, Lord will be that's there That's such a neat us. thing that Paul does because to think of like how learned he is and, and wise and so smart. I mean, he's, some scholars now say he's a genius. Like he was, oh, you know, oh, certified yeah. genius. And I yet so. so much throughout all of these readings that we have, that especially this, you know, 8 to 13, he just talks about how, you know, I'm nothing without God. I'm just kind of lesser than everyone. Yes. Like he just is very humble. And it's like you said, recognizing our place and things like we're basket cases, all of us. We need Jesus Christ. We need God, you know. And we can story. do it. We Absolutely. can do it. And, with them, and we if can do we it. can imagine, you when know? people say these things, if you can imagine it, you can do it. You're like, <laughs> Wait, you know, I can imagine a lot of things. Yeah. But if that imagination is something that has been given to you as inspiration by the from the from the spirit, which it often is, you know, my father who was not a, a faithful man on this when you looked at it, you know, but he was a very faithful man in other ways. I know that he received a lot of inspiration mm-hmm. from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And he had the confidence to move forward and do those things. And it wasn't easy. Well, I was going to say that I do believe that we struggle with our own abilities and our own limitations and our trials. But I think we also sometimes are running with a backpack full of rocks that we can let go. Oh, and you're here here debating with what you can let go versus what you don't. Well, I even think sometimes it's, Maybe um, being on the library board or, yeah, right. you know, like, <laughs> and there's sometimes you're supposed to be in those moments. And there's sometimes the Lord's like, you know, you don't need Let to be doing go. that because your focus yep. should be here. Yep. And so I think that's where also we decide which we have to do that. So, but let's, let's go yeah. because I know we have so oh, much yeah, more to go I, through. Let's, no, so, yeah. I wanted to finish those last two times. He yes, 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 yes. Um, the next one he used was in, um, oh, the beautiful one in Hebrews, where he said, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. It's at the very beginning of Hebrews 12, my very favorite chapter, which is probably everyone's, looking unto Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. And so I love that run with patience. Mm. And I think, how do we run with patience? So good. 
how do we run with patience? That's, <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, we. Do you think of enduring to the end? That's what it reminds me of. Interesting. You know? And enduring to the end of each segment, right. too, of, that oh, we're given, you know? Yeah. Because there are moments when you're just like, I just don't know if I'll be able to finish this. I don't. But say, this has been given to me. I need to run and I need to finish. Right. You know, on whether it's whether it's a child that we're trying to bring right. up well, whether it's a paper we're trying to write, mm. whether it is a calling we have in church, whether it is just being a good neighbor. I agree. You know, and I love those two. Um, and I do want to say there is a beautiful segment in the movie. And the reason I want to mention it is because I've talked to so many people who haven't seen this movie and it's called Chariots of Fire. Have you? Oh, yes. Yep. It is a truly yes. magnificent movie. And Eric Liddell, it is about runners. Yes. So there, if you're interested in sports, but um, it is also about the way the spirit works in the lives of people. And Eric Liddell, who is very faithful, devout, Christian is also a brilliant writer, a runner, and he talks about running this race. Right. And so I really encourage our viewers if they haven't seen it. Yes. And I even to if get you had to watch it but without it, success, but oh, maybe you'll have oh, more luck. Kind of slow beginning. <laughs> I know. You I, we tried, and they were like, "No, it's mom." Fun, it takes a little bit to get into. Yeah. It takes a little bit. But I but now it's so good. It's talking so good. about running, we are yes. now going. To, Shima's going to talk, talk to us about First, first Corinthians chapter ten. Yes. Versus. Temptation. Um, yes, topic. and and yeah. <laughs> and um, in there we we learn about the temptations we face and the way that we can. The Lord gives us to get away. If yes, we choose to. yes, I love this part, and I think you gave some perfect background about Paul. But I want to mention a couple other things about him. So. I think it's important that that he, you know, understanding where his background is because he has this humility, but it comes from this place because of what he's done. And so, you know, he he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. You know, his family is just a very Jewish, and he's actually working really hard to fight against the church. He ends and up very uh, educated, yeah. probably. Yes, very and educated. Probably right. Paul, some of the people that Marianne has thought were wealthy, I don't think they were. Think, fishermen, not so wealthy, oh, usually. Yeah. They didn't have fishing businesses right. in the right. same way there. But Paul but was. Paul yes. was. Successful. He came from Tarsus. That's right. He was born to parents right. who were already Roman citizens. And it was a university town. That's right, exactly. And so he's this learned man fighting against the church. He ends up being in the, uh, in the group that condemns Stephen, to death. He's one of the deacons that's called, as you know. And um, so he has this, I mean, not guilt at the time, but later, you know, as he's on the road, as you know, famously to Damascus and Christ's voice comes to him and says, Paul, you know, Saul, Saul, why um, do you persecute me? Um, then he, you know, is blind and then converts. And he, I think because of his background of uh, feeling this guilt that he's harmed the church so much, I do feel like he's more sensitive to this a topic of temptations and um, thinking about sin because he is, he is, he realizes he's flawed and he's made mistakes and without Christ, he's not whole. And I think it's neat because I think people sometimes uh, that become missionaries, you think of Alma the Younger, Paul, I mean, that have had this kind of a questionable past where they have done harm to the church are more um, able to talk about temptation and sin in a real compelling way and about repentance and forgiveness. So that's why I love, you know, his background and just thinking about that is so helpful. And then um, he tells us, you know, famously in uh, Corinthians that God will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. And uh, he says, you know, uh, basically the Lord will help us escape temptation and he knows what we're able to bear. And that, you know, 
he won't give us any more than we can manage. And uh, Neil A. Maxwell has a great quote on this. He says, just as no temptations come to us that we can't escape, uh, God won't give us any more trials than we're able to, to take. And I think it's it comes together, temptations and trials. Um, did you well, have I was going to yeah. say that I always struggled with that because sometimes you yeah. felt like as a teenager that temptations were too much. Yes. And it is interesting that it says you will not be tempted above what you were able, but yes, I was gonna, with yes. the temptation comes the escape. That's so, so good. With every temptation, there comes an escape, but if you decide not to take it, right? sometimes that temptation, the escape comes before yes. you've actually stepped too far. Like yep. when you know you shouldn't go to a party That's and the right. Lord's telling you, and if you step into that party... Yes. It may be more than you can do. Totally. So you have to take the escape. But I yep. loved mm -hmm. you going through Paul's background. Yes. Because it made me so touched to think of his escape. Yes. <laughs> Which is he went so far down the path, but then the Lord yes. allowed him an escape that would give him yep. the ability to truly be healed. Absolutely. From the worst of choices. Absolutely. And so I just think, wow, to have the escape be Right. Christ coming to yes. you would be huge. But, but you know, a couple of things. First that. of all, uh, the immediate thing that you said, Christine, um, Paul's desire was to serve the Lord. It was. Right. And, and so, that's and that is what, right. I mean, that's the that Lord comes to unlikely force. people. Yes. You know, the, it's, it's a question of the, as it says, if, if you know God, he knows you. God knows people and he knows who will be able to do the work he needs them to do. Yes. Why would he come to Joseph Smith of all the crazy choices yes. in the world? Because he knew he would be able to do the work. Why did he come to Paul, who had who was on his way to gather up Christians right. and bring, bring them, them for persecution <laughs> and help put them up before the thing? Yeah. Why would he be the one that Jesus, right. in a most dramatic way, appears to yes. after he died? It is because he knew Paul and he knew what Paul I love could it. I do think, yeah. about Jonah and how Jonah hated yes. the Assyrians and yeah. yes. oh. but it was his hatred yeah. that turned them around. Yeah. That's because he must have been so passionate. And built. the Lord, right. why would he? Oh, he was true. so determined to get it's away. So Picking the right person for and, the right um, calling. And there was um, there was one other thing that you said, Christine, that I wanted to comment on in this but you know what oh i know it's that elder holland you can see i'm unfortunately intuitive rather than organized but elder holland um spoke beautifully about this passage and he did say something he said god will provide an escape either before or after sometimes we don't recognize it right and sometimes we don't want it Right, that's the and yes, and I that's thought, what I was going to talk about. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You had no. That one. It was just uh, the same thing. It's like, like as a teen at a party, or even for adults, it's like, you know, we can choose to be on a higher path, or we can choose not to be, and allow ourselves these temptations. Right. And I think for women, since we're talking to a lot of women, um, sometimes gossip can be something. So if you think about situations right. where you end up gossiping, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's hard to once you're in there to not do it, and so just. Take yourself out of it. It's like the, the teens you tell them, like, just don't go to the party with alcohol, right? Easy right. as that. Don't go to the lunch where you know everyone's going to be gossiping. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just right. things like and that. listen to the spirit. Listen to the spirit. Because it will guide you and it will give you that escape. Because I feel like that part that you highlighted, the but part and that, that verse where it's like, 
Yes, you know, God won't give you more temptations, but he's going to provide you an escape. Yes, and, it, and it's probably... Don't take it, it will be more That's right. It's going to be too hard to handle if you don't take the escape. Right. And so easier to get out of the escape beforehand than to put yourself in that situation when you know whatever it is. If it's gossip, if it's murmuring about right. the Lord's anointed, if it's whatever your temptation is, wow. it's computers or, you know, whatever. I love that. I, yeah, Those are real. Yeah. Yeah, each one. Is. And, you know, I think that, for example, though, if we... We find ourselves in a situation when that thought comes to us, oh, yeah. this is gossip. Yeah. To escape. escape. That thought right. is the key. Right. Say, where we turn right. the conversation in another direction, yeah. we say something nice, and we we find something. That's right. To, and you can even to be ch- totally inappropriate just say, I think this is gossip. Can yeah. we change it? Call a spade a spade. <laughs> There's a great story of a woman in our ward who's teaching really society highlighted this one woman where there was gossip that came up and they said that she she even just said that. She turned silent and said, this is gossip. I'm not going to talk about this. And just made everyone feel, I mean, this is like, right. a, a, you know, ministering. That's why Paul, you make them feel quite uncomfortable. Can, yeah, it yeah, makes you comfortable. But whatever your escape might be, if it's leaving, if it's saying something nice, if it's just calling it out for what it is. And but, now, but, you know, as like, Elder Holland said, some of us don't want it, but the Lord is a provided for that and yeah, it's provided for absolutely. that through the atonement and through for us we have an opportunity to review every week how we need to escape from patterns or behaviors that are not in harmony with the highest in yes. us and that opportunity that. comes in the all the time but certainly at the table where we take the sacrament, absolutely, and and which we do in uni- unity, and and Paul had there were a lot of challenges there in the Corinthians among the Corinthians about how they were handling the sacrament, mm-hmm. and some of it was custom. It had become a custom to have the sacrament when they met to have the Lord's Supper that it would be almost a picnic, right. and people would bring food, and the wealthier members of the ward would come earlier because they weren't having to work from morning till night. And they'd bring the best things and they'd eat and they'd talk and they'd have a great time. And by the time the poor members of the ward came, it was all gone. And um, except they would bring their meager offerings. And Paul really says, let's not do this anymore. It is promoting cliqueiness. And I think that we know how appropriate the concern of cliqueiness is (laughs) to our wonderful Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It is, unfortunately, a really serious problem. Mm. And um, I mean, I don't want to say it is, I don't, I say that, but I have not, I don't, I feel like the church is a wonderful and welcoming place. But I think that sometimes just in the very, wonderful, welcoming, social joy, without meaning to, people break into groups. Mm. And those groups, which is what happened in Corinth, make others feel left out and not wanted or not cared for. And there can be so many different reasons that that happens. It can be that they are enjoying their things and the others come late and they just aren't there. And the people who are there first don't Think about the fact that these people are coming later because they're working really hard to provide for their families. Or it can be that people are jealous and they don't want to let people into their groups. I've heard, I don't know what you have heard, but a lot in 
in in singles wards. I I've never been in a singles ward um, because <laughs> I spent years in a singles. Ward. And I I I have had lots of conversations with people who felt, hmm. in fact, very sadly, what we had a young man who was baptized by missionaries in our family ward, and they took him to the singles ward, and he went a few times. He came back. He said, "I was I felt so unwelcome." And it just right. hard. Yeah. Well, usually in a single sport, they all feel unwelcome because they're not very social. They're used to being on their computers. But I think even in um, relief societies, our ward has um, married students, mm-hmm. and then it has one neighborhood, and then it has an area that's kind of a combination of poor and huge houses that are on this old block. Oh, wow. And so you have these three very mixed group of people. Mm. And um, it's hard sometimes because people naturally want to we're all worshiping christ and you think you want people that are the same as you right but we have such different backgrounds such different interests and that's what corinth was dealing with and how you find that unity in christ and are willing to expand our our ability to love and reach beyond right people that don't have other similarities to us i think is truly a reflection of whether we're christ-like and Absolutely. and this is and it's what and it's what Paul over and over again is asking us to have more situational awareness mm. of who is around us and how what we're doing actually is impacting them. And he's saying you may not be doing anything wrong, right? Not at all. Okay. But but you do need to sharpen your awareness of how what you're doing yeah. may be impacting others. I I thought it was beautiful the when he describes how the sacrament should be taken. He basically tells them um, that he says, if you're hungry, eat at home. He says in the last <laughs> verse, he says, if any man hunger, let him eat at home. And, and you know, and that's how this he says- This is not for this eating. Is, yeah, this is not for coming together. Party. And, yeah, come eat to at home. But he describes the way that the sacrament should be giving. He says, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus Christ- um, the same night in which he was um, betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you, and do it in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do we as oft as ye drink it in remembrance. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye drink, eat this bread and drink this cup, um, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Hmm. Um, nice. Where is that this verse? Is in, um, it is in 11, chapter 11, verses um, 23 through nice. 26. Hmm. And it's um, beautiful. It is so, and what is, of course, to us, it's beautiful because it's exactly what we do. That's Every right. Sunday, in the simple way, right. we have a very. I've been to sacraments, which are so beautiful in other churches. You know, I mean, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance, and it is an awesome event that we're doing. I mean, it is awesome mm-hmm. in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. It is usually a very simple event that it is administered by eleven and twelve yes. year old boys. Sometimes <laughs> others, if they aren't available, That's right. and we have. Very simple bread and very simple water. Um, and it is simple to the max. I mean, right. I I remember when I was looking at where I, what, when I was, before I had joined the church, I was looking for truth in many, 
And I went to a lot of different churches, and some of them had most gorgeous loaves of homemade <laughs> fed, and they it was really wonderful yeah. experience. And I don't think the truth is that the manner in which it is done is not important, right. but the the spirit of it. That's right. Be, that we not lose the power of it in our lives, mm-hmm. for to help us escape temptation, to help keep us committed to the covenants we've made at baptism, to be part of the Lord's family, to take his name upon us and to act in a way that is in harmony with what that would mean. And that is what Paul is asking us, I think, over and over again, to act in harmony with this name that you've taken upon yourself. I love it. And to simplify and see what's really important. I Mm. love that. And I didn't talk about yet because that's, but it's important about how he explains that we are different. So, you know, we had this problem with these different groups. We are different. We are different like the parts of a body. It is such, do you see where that scripture is? So you, we could read it because it is so wonderful. Well, but he, that he knows that we are each a different part of the body, but the body cannot function well without every single part. So what we really are called to do as we run that race is to do you, to do you to the best you can. And that is what is going to make this body of Christ. And what I love when he says that the less, the less honorable parts of the body we tend to cover, you know, with, but he said by that we honor them. I love that, you know, he says that, you know, by covering them, we bring more honor to those parts of the body yeah, and that right. they, they are so important as well, you right. know. So it starts in chapter 12. Yeah. Yes. And if you look at About verse 12, 13, yeah, 13 through 27, but, um, and, and I love when it says, um, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, <laughs> I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And so mm-hmm. it's like, sometimes you are just a foot and not a hand. And the hand can do everything and the foot just stands moves, there. Yeah. Or it moves forward, but the foot <laughs> yeah. is important. And even one toe on that foot missing would be missed. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, and I loved um, in our Come Follow Me um, manual for the this um, lesson on the Corinthians, um, it said... Consider having they have they have suggestions for children and families. Consider ha- asking your children to draw a person yes. that's all, <laughs> all noses <laughs> or all ears or all feet. Yeah. And I love that idea because it is yeah. so illustrious. And Paul says the same yeah. thing. He says, you know, we can't be all feet and right. we can't yes. all be hands and we can't and all be heads. And we all together co- constitute the body of Christ is how it ends, right? In, in 27. Right. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. I mean, we all right. and are different, you know. And, and I yeah. think, too, you think of all, if we're all ears, it sounds funny to have your kids draw it, but... You know, when, when you think about divisions in our day, right, not just cliques, but even just political, racial, kind of social divisions, um, people thinking, well, I can't talk to people that voted for X or Y. And thinking, I mean, it's like, I only want to talk to ears, not the feet. You know, it's like, but we all are necessary, right? We all, all the parts are needed. And in this society, like in Corinth, we need to figure out how to all appreciate our differences rather than wanting to only be with feet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Paul says it. That's true. And he we says, can't. and if they were all one member, yeah. where would the body be? You know, where would the, we, we, we just, we it, it's other. so, there, it's really funny. I, I urge yeah. people to read these scriptures. And I want to say that if you find this beautiful King James English challenging, find other, um, 
other translations right. and of of the scriptures to read with it because you will you will read them they will enhance it for you and you will go back and you will love the King James even more mm-hmm. you'll appreciate it because the King James version is really was written by both scholars and poets and it really does capture the poetry often times of the original in ways that translations that are a little easier to understand do not necessarily capture right. the poetry. And I think the key is comparing. Right. Because some of them actually, their translation has nothing to do. We, When I was teaching seminary, we went and we got like 20 different versions. And we read <laughs> a handful of scriptures actually right. from Paul uh, that had all the different versions. And some of them weren't even close right, or, or yeah. didn't even point on but the you sometimes page. sometimes you have to read the whole thing, you know, because they can give yes. you though a sensibil- yeah. sense of it. And I, I personally found this Jewish New Testament, which I love because oh, it speaks nice. to me. Yeah. And it shows whenever Paul is using... Um, um, quotes from the Tanakh, you know, oh, which is the Torah, yeah. and the Nevi'im, the oh, Ketuvim, and it shows, and it tells you, you know, and 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 all of the, it, so it puts it, it in beautiful. a different way, and it's very enjoyable. But it doesn't mean that I don't. It doesn't yeah. adore yeah. this. I know when yeah. I was in England on my mission, I found a commentary from John Brown. You know, John Brown had a little Indian, mm-hmm. and it had his commentary of the scriptures so cool. beside it. And it was so beautiful and, and meaty. I just loved it. Yeah. And it was his experience. So I know that that looking for those other sources, as long as we stay grounded right. you know, in the scriptures, is now, beautiful Shima, to do. I want Shima, we and as we take the sacrament, of course, we're brought together as one mm. body in Christ with all these different parts um, that we hope we will seek out and yes. and to, to understand the value of each part. Um, he also talks about the different spiritual gifts mm. and yes. how important they are and that we don't necessarily all have one or the other, but that they are, um, they are, and Shima, were you going to share that with us, or am I? Um, I was, but did you want to talk about the? Um, oh yeah, the veil. I oh that yes, was a really cool. Oh, point oh, that oh, you were going to make really quick. So before in, we, he um, also talks. Yes, actually, when they were, it was when they were talking about meeting together, and in um, eleven, uh, chapter four through fifteen, it talks about how women um, have to cover their heads during the meeting. So mm-hmm. when they come in, they keep their heads covered. And it is interesting to me because I went and I was interested in the veil and we have our heads covered or wear a veil during mm-hmm. the temple, but we don't right. do it during church. Right. But they did it during church because they didn't have those further ordinances at that time. But I looked into the veil and was looking at bridal magazines about, you should never go for a source there. <laughs> it was interesting because what they all said, like all the bride magazines talked about the veil being a pagan tradition Hmm. and you're like what the veil starts way back with moses right it actually goes before moses so to rebecca so it was just interesting to me because as you're reading it you're going no well they live well they were living together you know i mean they should probably i know but they're talking about rome and rome is way past right these other right traditions so so that was way if you're using the roman that the veil was used to protect you from evil spirits that is, this is way preceding that, and mm-hmm. weddings are usually um, Christian or That's spiritual right. events. That's so you would think that it has to do with this veil. So we're going to talk yeah. about the veil just quickly, and I know our time is short, but um, in the um, 
the biggest veil, and we'll just start with as the law of Moses was yeah. um, given, and they and they set up the tabernacle. The veil was a huge piece of the tabernacle. So I know you're so um, Jewish focused and tabernacle oh, no. focused. Do you want to tell us about the tabernacle and the veil? Well, all I say is that that, that is very important. There's a veil before the Torah, mm-hmm. and it's a very important thing. And of course, we know that. I mean, that was something that all Christians know that when Jesus was crucified, they say that the veil right. was rent right. in front yeah. of the Torah. Well, that's and I, a part of the protection and right. the honor of But the veil was not like what we do now where we can go through the veil. Nobody right. ever went through the veil. So there was the holy place, which was the place where they would have the, um, the menorah the, and, and the, the shoe bread, and that would be changed out by priests. But only on the Day of Atonement, only the high priest of the whole church that one day of the year could go behind to the mercy seat and to sit and pray for Israel. And so it was just that one day and no one else ever went behind the veil. So it wasn't like it is today. And you're absolutely right that when Christ was crucified, the veil was rent from the top to the bottom, from the heaven down. And when the veil was rent, the difference in the symbolic change was that now we have access through Christ, mm-hmm. who is the veil, to that holy place, to, to the Lord himself when we pray. And when we go to the temple, we actually have the ability to cross that veil now, right. whereas they didn't before right. with the old law. All things are made new. Through Christ, I love this understanding so of the veil as a as a as a right a deeply religious. You were honor, honor, you were saying yeah. Shima that in other faiths also. Yeah, I mean, I think rem, this is the the kind of the truth of the veil, like right. truth capital T. But but there are other cultures where you see this same remnant where men and women cover their heads. You know, women with either a veil or a hat, or and men. And you know, with the Jewish culture, of course, the yarmulke, it's like the highest right. point of your head, should be covered as reverence to God. Right, And Absolutely. so it's, and, and because the veil represents Jesus Christ, we are, you know, having a piece of it. And obviously, right. you know, we have our garments to represent that. But um, but that is the whole thing. It's, it's our reverence to God. It's our humility. Absolutely. It's understanding that Christ is our in, right. intercessor with the Father. I mean, right. And the temple veil protected that which was sacred, the Father, from yes. that which was profane. That's right. As women, yes. that veil is to protect that which That's is right. sacred, which yep. is why when we get married. Well, you think of our body as a temple. Absolutely. And putting a cover on it. And you the know. sacredness of our right. ability to create life. Absolutely. And that's why only our husband is like right. the high priest right. that lifts the veil right. as the veil was wet. And so that is the tradition. If you're getting married, yes. right. the tradition is that we are, uh, are keeping sacred our womanhood. Well, and the and treasure. And the gifts that... of our womanhood and the treasure. And we carry that in the temple mm-hmm. so we honor and revere womanhood so the yeah. thing i did want to say is in the assyrian empire only women of honor could wear a veil hmm. so if you were married and a free woman you could wear a veil if you weren't if you were a harlot or a slave hmm. and you wore a veil you were punished within inches of your life hmm. and so it is a point of honor and I think so often people misrepresent Interesting, yeah. these um, verses. And I want you just to look at 1 Corinthians 11.10. And it says, For this cause ought the women to have power on her head because of the angel. Yes. 
that the veil so is good. a sign of power. Right. It's a sign of the power of woman. Right. I, I love the that. I, it's the power of God. Oh. I love transition. No, but it really is. It is a power. And because of the angels. And yeah. it's because we bring those angels right. to the earth. Yes. I really think that it's he cool. understands that. And sometimes you get lost in those other yeah. verses. And you're like, that is the verse That's to get the lost key, in. That's the key, right? So, yes, love, I love that. I that love the veil that. Represents I, Jesus I like, Christ. I love this um, idea, Christina, Christine, that as we're reading it, we can get lost in it. But we need to leave ourselves open to have the right verses sort of distill right. on our consciousness because Absolutely. because these were written for a certain time in a certain place and pr issues that maybe aren't exactly relevant except the larger issues are and right. and uh, this next um chapters 12 and 13 which shima is so going good. to lead us yeah. in is beautiful yes so beautiful i know this is a highlight to me for me of these verses just uh, it talks about spiritual gifts and how i mean focuses a lot on faith hope and especially charity but I love um, his description of faith. Is It made me think of it a little differently because he talks about faith being a gift of God, right? Faith is a gift we receive from God. And some of the synonyms, uh, you know, others have said that you could describe with faith are um, trust or confidence or reliance. Yes. And I was thinking about that and it's, um, you know, do we trust the Lord? Do we, I mean, is, that's what it means to have faith. Do we trust him? That's, and you think about how much trust you have, you know, you get on an airplane and you kind of like trust the pilot and the plan of the, you know, the flight plan and you get in an Uber and you trust them to, to drive you in a foreign city where you don't know where you're going. And I mean, how much do we trust the Lord in guiding our lives? And I think sometimes we're less trusting of, of God and have, you know, and having faith that, the trials he gives us are the ones that we need that the, you know, the challenges that we have that, you know, we'll be able to overcome them. And I just think that that trust is um, such a beautiful concept to think of, you know, that's a gift that God can give us. We can pray for that faith and he will give us that gift of faith. And I think, especially if you don't have it, yes. sometimes we play the blame game yes. where we're like, why don't I trust the Lord? Yes. Why aren't I willing to take this step into the dark? Yeah. Whereas we say, Please give me the strength so that I can yes. trust. And that prayer can be answered. And right. that's the miracle. That's it. Is. So I know I was just going to say when I yeah. was debating whether to have my fifth child, <laughs> I was so overwhelmed. Right. And it was interesting because I, I kind of knew I should and didn't want to and went to the temple. And I was um, talking to a friend at the temple. And uh, I remember turning to her. And I was crying and crying for no reason. And she said, what are you crying about? And I said, I have to have another baby. <laughs> but, um, but that faith came to me through the Lord. Right. Because my faith was lacking. So that Absolutely. it's a gift of the Spirit. Yes. Gives us hope when the we're gift. lacking faith. Because sometimes yes. through exhaustion or insanity, we do yes. lack faith. <laughs> I know. We do. We do. And, and that's okay. And that's where, like, the prayer. So, it's. I mean, just to re recognize it's a gift and it's not something that we have or don't have. Yes. I think sometimes we think, oh, faith. Some people are faithful and others aren't. No, it's like we can all get that yes. strength and, and that faith and that, that mercy yeah. and, you know. The and, and, you know, we, we talk, Paul talks about these different gifts uh, of healing, of tongues. He's very big on, you know, only tongues should, can be great yes. for you, but only in public if you have a good interpreter to tell people right. what and, and um, other things. But 
but in chapter 13, um, which, Shima, you were going to yeah. lead us in that conversation. Yes. He clarifies that all of these gifts are wonderful, mm -hmm. but it is so important that we understand the gift of charity, which yes. is the true, the pure love of Christ. I love that definition Absolutely. in our dictionary. It is charity, you know, is oftentimes has come to be thought of as things you give away to others. You give them money, you give them that. And what I love it says in the Bible dictionary is that charity can provoke you to do those acts. But yes. that is not what charity means because it means the pure the love, love of Christ. Christ. And, I love that. And if you could... Tell us yeah. a little bit about So, I mean, that's in Corinthians 13, 1 through 8, where he talks about charity is the greatest gift. You know, faith is great. Hope is great. But um, I think it's neat where just to translate what he's talking about, he, you know, he uses an analogy from those days that don't really make sense to us. But we'll just to translate. He says, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, I have not charity and, and have not charity. I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And so what that is, a sounding brass was this bronze echoing vase that was like, had this amplifier in theaters. It was super annoying and loud. <laughs> and then tinkling was to wail loudly. It was kind of a shrill voice. Basically, it's like, you know, if you if you do these great things, but you don't have charity and you don't have the love of Christ, it's just noise. It's, just noise. it's, just it's all it is, unpleasant oh. sound. And so it's really neat to think of that's the key. And the thing I love about thinking about charity is, it's not like these other gifts where everyone can see it. And, 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 and he talks a lot about this, like, you know, don't you want to appear like a righteous woman or a righteous man? It's like, no, that's not the point, right? Charity is this love of Christ. It's all in here. And no one knows it besides you and God if you have charity. And I, I think that's what's beautiful about that, that that's the greatest gift. It's not prophesying. It's not speaking in tongues. It's not being a great, pray, you know, praying beautifully or whatever. Or all giving these other everything gifts, you have giving to the everything poor, you have, even, like, you know. That everyone can see. Yes. It's this pure love of Christ that comes from within. And it, I think that's so, of course, that's what Christ would, you know, want us to have is this this love and have it. No one can really tell if you have it except for you. And you just, we can all just work on it within ourselves. I think that's beautiful. Well, and I love the way that he, sorry. Oh, I was uh, going to say, I yes. just, I, probably the same idea that so many of the attributes of charity, yes. nobody can see. Nobody can see. Like being long suffering. Right. That's right. That's right. exactly what I was well, going to say. That's even right. says, like, if oh, everyone knows that. what you're doing, I like, know. that's not the point. Nobody right? ever sees you biting I, your tongue right. or, or, not, or, or yes. just suffering that's right. and, and that's not, you know, envying not. Envying not. <laughs> but no, it's right. it's all silent <laughs> long. The and silent is, suffering and the silent kind. loving. And, Charity yeah. envieth not. Charity yes. um, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. These are invisible. Right. And if you're not things. puffed wow. up, people don't know how awesome you are. I know. Right? <laughs> and, you know, somebody was said, I, I, I read something you know, that Paul is talking yeah. about not, but you know, then he tells them, you know, well, I have this attribute in that. I was born in Roman. Yes. I, but he was saying it because saying, I, I do have all of these things. Yes, I have. I have made them of none effect in my life to serve you and to try to share. The I love gospel. that he says we must use our gifts. Do all to the glory of God. Right? If you're acting in pure charity, everything's to glorify God. It's not to glorify you as a as a person. And that's where 
the challenge of human nature is. Well, right? the ones that were getting me was the next line where it's thinketh no evil. Yeah. So not even thinking. Oh. And then rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Okay, sometimes when someone who's really naughty does something and gets it, you're just like, <laughs> yes. And that is rejoicing. It's hard not to just stop it, Christine. But, well, but yeah. when they get it, you mean. Yeah. 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 But, and that's but, not but, appropriate. You know, but but the thing that's is that, but so but true. and it isn't, you know, I mean I it's so good to think about to yeah. apply the, it's really a wonderful thing. I had my children yeah. memorize this when, they, when they, you know, for our homeschooling, that was one of the things that they so memorized this particular oh, chapter because it's the best. I felt, and, and I, 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 I have enough children that I don't think I had all of them do it, you know, because I, I asked my, my, one of my younger daughters said, I remember when we all memorized this because the others do. No. <laughs> I thought, oh, maybe she, I missed one. Maybe I, that, you know, it's when you have a lot of kids, sometimes you have to, but, but, Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think it's one of those, like, this is kind of what we want to work on for our lives, right? Is yes. If we just can can work on this little by little. And I don't know if you've read Angela Duckworth's book called Grit. She talks about oh, how yeah, to gain grit. It. Yeah, it's amazing. It. And I need more grit. I, I know. <laughs> well, we all do. And But she talks about how to gain it. And one of the things she says is, like, you spend 10,000 hours, you break it up into small pieces, right. and you kind of work at that thing. And this is to be, be great at running. or being. Right. But, I mean, think about, like, if our goal is to have the pure life of Christ, which is really, like, our number one goal, right. to be like Christ. That's right. It's like, if can we break it down, like, today, like, this week, can I be more long-suffering? Next week, can I be more patient? Ooh, Next I week, can, you know what I mean? Like, could we break it down into small things and work? on as because you think of our lives in progression like if, if we're working on anything this should be it i think this is it this, this is, it. is the document right that our i mean chapter 13 first yes. Corinthians. everyone right copy it put it up <laughs> right, read it right. every day have your kids and, memorize it and, I love and that. you know the, the we and we discipline ourselves in yeah. our relationships and in our thoughts because we have to map them onto these qualities right are we or are we not manifesting these qualities. Once in a while, as a parent, you do have to reprimand your children. You do have to hold them to a standard. But are we doing it, A, as I love what um, he, Paul does this a lot. He reprimands and then he shows forth more love. Right. You know, I think that we do have a this template from the from DNC. I think it's 121, isn't it? Where it says sometimes you have to reprimand people with the sharpness and then right. show forth more love to make sure that they know that you love them and right, esteem right. them. Absolutely. And um, I think that for me, this is such an important document to help me stay on the right path. Absolutely. Um, and I love that end where it says, charity never faileth. Uh, where there be prophecies, they shall fail in tongues. And I think it's so funny because when I served on my mission, that was the biggest shocker was you felt like if you totally convinced someone, if you showed them clearly through the scriptures, right. if they believed you the church was true, why wouldn't they change their lives? Why wouldn't they move forward? Right. And they didn't. But so often it's when they feel that love. Right. Touch their heart. That's right. Then even if they're not willing to change, you still have Absolutely. a connection. You still have an openness and that I, allows you to make a difference. I think that that is what this, these chapters have been about, is Paul's desire to model and teach by ex not only example, but in what he says, how we can show greater love yes. and how we can appreciate the love that is part of every single person who comes together with us, right. whether, whether it is gathering together in the church or in other places to be able to reach out and recognize the gifts and the love of each 
Absolutely. daughter and son of our Heavenly Father who is a part of our life. I am so grateful that we have had a chance to explore these things together. And I love these last two verses. He said, for now, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three. But the greatest of mm. these is charity. So thank you so much for being here to share these with us. Thank you. Thanks.